Hello and welcome to another edition of the Best of Fives. Today we're talking about the best five photographers. That's right, the the fine folks at Neozaz bring you a podcast about something visual. <laughs> we're geniuses. But there's a reason for that, because I, Dave, am joined by... I'm going to call you it again, if you don't mind. Please the, do. The Sultan of South Philadelphia and the host of Dial-Up Movies, the 90s movies podcast on Neozaz, Lou. Hello, everybody. Now, there's a reason we're doing this, and the reason is you, Lou. Uh, yes. You are a photographer. I am a photographer, professionally. It is what I do with my life. Very nice. So... How did you become interested in photography? Was this like a thing in high school, or did you become interested in art school? Like, how did this work out for you? I became a photographer by accident. <laughs> I left high school with the intention of becoming a doctor, mm. and did that for a couple of years, and then said, screw this, I want to make stuff, and went to art school to be a filmmaker. And I hated that program, and made the, the sidestep into photography and uh, figured out that I really, really enjoyed it. So it was uh, my third career choice once I actually started pursuing a career. But um, it's worked out pretty well. Um, I enjoy it a lot. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. And you, I know from that's how we really kind of got to know you on Neos, as was through your photography, that you came and, and, and did some photography of, of an event that we were at. And... I, um, I, we started talking right away, and I was already amazed at some of the things you've done in your career because I'm a, I'm a sports fan, and you, we were talking before we recorded, you were just in Canada shooting uh, for NHL. You've been in England and and done English Premier League games, you know, like that kind of stuff. That to me is fascinating. How did you get to do that kind of stuff? Um, I, you know, through, you know, Philadelphia's a it's a big city, but it's a relatively small market when it comes to photography. So most people tend to know each other. And I, while still in school, got to know a guy named John. And and it's with him that I've worked on a lot of these large jobs. Um, it's been years, but I still work with him a lot. Uh, I assist him. I, I shoot with him or for him. And one of his big clients um, is uh, NBC Sports. And they used to be in Philadelphia as the Versus Network. And uh, that's why he was on with them. They were a Philadelphia company. And when they moved up to Connecticut, they, you know, kept him around. And I'm lucky enough to get to travel the world, really, um, working with some of the biggest people in sports. So it's been a lot of fun. That is so cool. So when Lou gives you his best five photographers, you can take that with uh, his expertise because I would say it's safe to say he's forgotten more about photography than I'll ever know. <laughs> So when I'm giving my list, it's like, yeah, 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 let's get to lose list. But we're going to go through both of them. There's another thing I wanted to ask you. So you yes. did go, you went to art school. I did. Um, I did too. And I've had this conversation. This is kind of off the track of uh, photographers, but that's what Neos is, is all about, <laughs> getting off track. Getting off on tangents. Yes. So uh, I, I've, I don't know many people that went to art school, so I always wanted – anytime I, I encounter somebody that has, I, I ask them this question. I don't think I've ever asked this of you before. Um, was your school – like I don't – you don't have to say your college if you, if you don't want to. Was the school um, exclusively an art school? Uh, I don't mind mentioning it. I went to the University of the Arts in downtown Philadelphia, 
And it is an exclusively an art school, yeah. Okay. Um, they had three colleges. It was uh, art and design, communications, and performing arts. And it, so, yes, it's ex- exclusively an art school. Okay. Then my question is, I, th- I have a feeling your answer is going to be no, because the art school that I went to, I went actually and majored in art education. But um, I had, I, I wonder if maybe you know anybody that this happened to. As an art major living in an all-male dorm at a school that wasn't necessarily an art school but more of an education school, I uh, was harassed and persecuted for being not only an, an artist but an art lover. Have you ever gone through something like that? Have you ever t- like like gone – like we, we celebrate art at Neozaz with the Artmore Project and, and all the stuff that Matt does for that. Matt's an artist. Like you know, we, we, we enjoy art. We talk about art. Well, I'm sure there will be more best of fives about art. Have you ever been kind of persecuted for being an, an artist? In school, no. In my family, absolutely. Okay. Um, my family's, you know, we're a family of uh, of ball busters. Uh, you know, South Philly, Irish, Italian. You know, I, I've been picked on my whole life, essentially. But uh, you know, my uncles are contractors and electricians, and you know, nobody in my family does anything artistic, uh, with the exception being me. And you know, I. <laughs> I don't know if it's a traditional route or not, but when I decided to go to art school, um, I immediately amped up my uh, tattoo collection, which is, you know, something my mother was dreading at the time and now is just whatever about. But, you know, I was <laughs> I had a I had a mindset of putting myself on a path towards a specific career or a specific type of career. So since then, I've and even before then, uh, my family, my uncles in particular, have taken every opportunity to be like oh well let's let's ask the artist what he thinks kind of (laughs) kind of reaction to things so to a degree yes uh whether ever really serious no i think probably because i did make it a career and it's a viable career so um you know if i had done the art track and uh not done so well then maybe it'd be a different attitude but um yeah light teasing through my family but other than that no most of my best friends are designers uh in the city or, or elsewhere and um most of the people I'm close with do something artistic. So hmm. as far as friends, no. I understand what you're saying. So like because you were successful, it's like they don't have anything to say. But if you had failed and you were working for one of your uncles as a, in his contracting business <laughs> and you were over there, the hey, Picasso, can you bring me uh, that piece of sheetrock? You know. <laughs> Like it you know what's been. funny? My girlfriend actually calls me art school occasionally when she wants me to ask answer a question about colors. <laughs> so, hey, art school, what do you think about this? That's funny. All right. Well, I, I'm just interested in that kind of thing because I had a really bad experience with that. Um, you did have a bad experience. Yeah. Oh, very much so. I mean, I was uh, I lived in an all male dorm. I'm not a homosexual, but because I went to a kind of uh, out in the middle of nowhere college where the people had never been anywhere in their lives and they were very close-minded because I liked art and I carried a portfolio to class every day, I was gay. That's right. what, That's what they perceived. And I was, for all intents and purposes, gay bashed. I can't say that I can't sit here and say that I know what it's like to actually be gay bashed and to be treated in the way that some homosexuals have. But I think I got a little bit... Of a, of a taste of it, and it was awful. Um, 
to to be treated that way and and so much so that I, I ended up dropping out of the art program and I don't know that it was just because of that but when you come home and and the word fag is written on your dorm room door every day you kind of get sick of it yeah I don't that's that's rough yeah so like now being an adult and when you're in college you you know like you're still trying to find yourself or fit in or whatever the deal is now that we're adults I don't give a shit what anybody thinks and right. nobody else should either and the fact that now you know we're friends and Matt's doing the Artmer project and we're all participating in that and and over the past couple of years we've raised over $20,000 for children through art that that makes it all okay and you and I are going to sit here and talk about art now. So yep. hopefully there's some art lovers out there that can sit back and relax and just listen to two dudes talk about art. Um, and like I said, your list is going to be much more impressive than mine. But I'll start, so we'll save you for last. Okay. My number five, and I had to do a little bit of research because really what I did, I guess, is I worked on themes more so than people. Because there are photographs that I know and love. And I didn't necessarily know who did them. Okay, this interesting. You took an opposite route than, than me, so I'm, I'm interested. Okay. I hear what you said. Yeah, I, I, so, so it sounds like you went from the photographer into his work. I went from the work into, oh, that's the guy that did this. And my number five is a guy named Brian Smith. Okay. Um, I really like portraits, and this guy did a lot of portraits. And one of my favorite pictures of all time is what led me to this guy. And it is the photograph. I don't know if you can picture it. And I'll put the. We're going to put samples of all these guys uh, or girls' work online on our on our Neosas Facebook page. Um, it's one of the most striking pictures that I can remember having to do with sports. It's uh, the the shot of Greg Luganis hitting his head on the back of the hitting the back of his head on the diving board. This is okay. after Greg Luganis had already been HIV positive, but didn't tell anybody. And now a man with HIV is in a swimming pool bleeding. I mean, this was a big deal. And no one knew that he had that he was HIV positive. Well, yeah, I don't actually know this story at all. I'm looking at the photo now, but I, I didn't know that story. It, the photo, like, I mean, I joked about how we're talking about something visual. We're talking about it. But the photo is the moment that his head strikes the diving board and his body is is perfectly flat. In the middle of a of a perfect dive, except for hitting his head. <laughs> um, and the guy's name, I looked him up. He did a lot of great portraits, and I love portrait work. Um, the 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 humanity that this guy and other people like him caught on people's faces just with a photograph. Not that you can see the face in the picture that I'm talking about, but some of his other work. That to me has always been the kind of more interesting artwork. I I, I think of all my guys, I'm not as interested in pictures of things or nature or things like that i'm more interested in portraits and people so brian smith is my number five all right well my number five is um i would think possibly one of the few photographers you might have on your own list okay um and i don't know if you use instagram at all but um his instagram is great it's just photos of his work but my number five is steve mccurry nope the photo of his you he's one of those photographers that if you've seen a Time magazine or a National Geographic over the last 25 years you've probably seen a dozen or two dozen of his photos. Hmm. 
His biggest photo, his most popular photo was the Afghan girl. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. The, the, with, the, with the, yeah, and they, they, didn't they find her recently and try and recreate the photo? They did. They, um, yeah, so the photo we're talking about, again, we'll play, we're talking about visual things on, a, on an audio <laughs> podcast, but this is an image, I believe it was from the late 80s, uh, or early 90s of, uh, a, a young girl in Afghanistan, um, with sh- very sh- striking green eyes. Yeah. And, um, it was, I, I believe it was a cover, um, and, uh, it was one of his biggest photos ever. But, um, yeah, he did find her like 20 years later and, and found her again. You know, he had to f- go through the desert, go through villages and try to find this girl. He didn't have a name. I mean, he might have had a name, but either way, um, he was in his office uh, on 9-11 and took some of the photos for Time Magazine for 9-11. Um, if you look up Steve McCurry, you'll you'll know these these photographs. And I mentioned his Instagram because it's just – it's just all day, pretty much every single day. There's a photo that could be the best photo you've ever seen. Mm. And um, also of note, uh, Steve McCurry, in addition to being one of the most well-known National Geographic photographers, um, although his office is in New York, um, his archives are in Pennsylvania. Um, and a friend of mine, while in college, interned there. Um, I believe McCurry's sister runs his archives. And, um, yeah, just, it's in the middle of the state and, uh, he got to sit with, you know, probably millions of photographs and just archive them. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, Steve McCurry is my number five. All right. Yeah. I haven't, I didn't know the name, but as soon as you said that picture, that's like a legendary picture of that girl. All right. My number four, sticking with the theme, uh, my theme for this one, I guess my theme for the first one was portraits. Uh, my theme for no, my number four is history. Uh, I'm a history buff. After I stopped being an art education major, I became a history education major. And the, I, I remember seeing these photos not that long ago, and I, and I saw it. it was like a very short documentary on this man. And his name is Gordon Parks. Okay. And his pictures were almost exclusively of the South – in the segregation era and some of these pictures when when you see them they, they kind of encapsulate that time of prejudice and and unfairness and I, I think I, I really do enjoy black and white photography but these are not black and white they're colors but it's it's like colors from like the the 50s and the colors are all kind of washed out they're very muted and and, and a lot of the stuff, I mean, these places that he was taking pictures of, these are not well-to-do places. So, like, the colors are very rustic, and it's like a lot of rustic decay in them. But then you see, you know, like, it, it'll be the, the water fountain whites only. And and a little girl, you know, waiting in a, in a long line to drink at the other one when the other one's empty, but she can't go there. Those kind of things. This guy's teaching a lesson about the way things were through his photography. Um, and they're, they're beautiful and striking. And that's why Gordon Parks is my number four. So continuing, unknowingly continuing with your idea of uh, history, um, my number four is a man by the name of Robert Kappa. And Robert Kappa, the photos of his that you would know, um, his photos are 
the most popular that have survived from D-Day, the landing in Normandy oh, wow. um, during World War II. Um, he was a war photographer. And actually, one of the reasons that I got into photography in general, uh, I mentioned at the opening of the show that I originally went to art school for filmmaking, and in particular, documentary filmmaking. And, um, in a, you know, when you're a filmmaker at UArts, you have to take, uh, intro, uh, history of film and history of photo. And in the history of photo class, it's all black and white. And you learn about some of these guys, um, that did insane things with their, with their cameras. And, um, I believe it was him. He's either him or his, or his brother. His brother was also a big photographer named Cornell. Um, and his, uh, his one of his catchphrases was uh if your picture wasn't good enough you weren't close enough <laughs> and you know this is coming from an era you know without zoom lenses and it was all on film and and you know like i said there are blurry photos from the landing at the beach of normandy where he was in the boats with the soldiers um there's photos from the spanish uh civil war um you know there's a stuff like that that he was you know in the thick of everything and uh, that's how he died. He died in his 40s. He stepped on a landmine. Oh, my God. So he uh, he died doing what he photographed. And, and um, I saw a, a showing of his artwork in New York when I was in school. And it was, you know, it's cool to see photos close up, not on a computer screen. But, uh, yeah, there's a – you get a different vibe when you when you know that someone was, was risking their life to take a photo. So I've always loved photojournalism. And, uh, and so Robert Capp is my number four. Wow. Yeah, I was just about to say, well, it's, he's lucky he survived, nope. and then he didn't. That's amazing. Yeah, like that guy gave his life not only for art but for uh, for posterity, like to, to let people know this is what was happening. That's a great story. All right, well, my number three, and sticking with my themes, uh, in this case is music. I love music of all kinds, but this guy that I found took what to me is my second favorite picture I've ever seen. And, and <laughs> I didn't know what it's going to be of. Oh, okay. It's the very, very famous uh, portrait of John Lennon. Oh, I was wrong. I was going to say it was a photo of Elvis. <laughs> this guy, I think he did do Elvis. I have a list of some of the people that he did. He ended up, I, I think he might have been too late to do Elvis. Okay. But it's all black and white, and he did everyone. There's a very there's another picture that I really love of the Clash. Um, he took not only did he do the Clash, he did like several of just Joe Strummer. He did the Stones. He did Chuck Berry. He did Beastie Boys. He did David Bowie. But this John Lennon picture, um, everyone knows the picture. It's Lennon with the with the shades and the the New York City uh, T-shirt. It's probably one of the most iconic photos of him ever taken. Yeah, yeah. And the guy's name is Bob Gruen. It's G-R-U-E-N. And because of my love for music and, and, and really that Lennon picture, because that probably wasn't too long before he was murdered. And John Lennon loved New York City. Like, he, he died there because he lived there. Like, that's where he wanted to be. He could have lived anywhere in the world. And that's where he wanted to be. So the fact that it's that that picture with that shirt that iconic image um and and the other things that this guy did as far as rock music and 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 the bc boys case rap music bob gruen is my number three so my number three is a local guy um and he is another black and white photographer um 
and he worked in Philadelphia for a large portion of his career, and his name is Ray Metzger. Um, it's kind of difficult to describe um, without a visual some of his photographs, but what he did was um, he played with contrast and used extreme contrast for his photos, and I always loved it. Um, you know, he would get an image of a woman wearing a white dress walking in the sunlight on a mostly shadowed street so that it's just a black photo with a white woman just like a white woman <laughs> a woman in white just walking down the street it, it's it, like i said it's, it's a very visual this person's work um but it's some of the most interesting i've ever seen and uh curiously enough at the time of this recording we are three days away from one year from his death hmm. he died last last october and um and it was uh you know one of those things where whenever there's a a, a notable passing in the photo community i'm friends with most of my former professors from college on facebook and, and i see these things passed around and a lot of my professors were fortunate enough to know this man um and uh i really really enjoyed his work and uh i think it's worth taking a look at awesome yeah it's good to get a local guy in there and all the philadelphia's famous for its its newspapers like not, not the newspapers exist like they did before but that that kind of that kind of work should be recognized because it was not only appealing to look at it was also informing people if that was their job. Yeah, I respect. I respect. I mean, I miss re- reading a newspaper. <laughs> I used to read it every morning. You know, it's like there there will probably be time when there is no such thing. Uh, I don't think we're that far off from it, unfortunately. I like I like the paper. I like the physical paper, but yeah. All right, very good. My number two, then continuing with my theme, is sports, and it's me. <laughs> yeah, it's Lou. No, it's not Lou. I should have put you on here. <laughs> um, my number two, the guy's name is Neil Leifer. Okay, and. I, it was the same kind of thing where, like, I know I know what photographs I like. I have to go backwards from the photo. My favorite photograph of all time is the other very, very famous photograph of Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny Liston. And this guy did it. And not only did the, he do that, I, I went back and looked at some of his other work. He's done other very famous uh, sports photographs of Yogi Berra and Julius Irving. There's a Sports Illustrated cover of uh, Red Sox player Tony Canigliaro, who was going to be their next big thing, and as a young player took a, a shot in the face with a pitch ball. And it was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, uh, just his face with the worst black eye you've ever seen in your life. I've seen this picture a million times as a baseball fan. This guy I'm looking took at it right it. now. It's it's rough. Yeah, yeah. He was, and he was never the same after that. He actually came back and Tony Tony C and he did and he did okay, but he was gonna be something that he never was after the injury. Um, but besides all that, the the Ali photo, every time I see that, I have to stop because of the the composition of the photo, the way Liston's lying there, and I mean that was never supposed to even happen in boxing. This is this is Muhammad Ali becoming the icon that he would be um he's he looks like he's screaming at the top of his lungs he took that photograph at the perfect moment in time and every time i see that i have to stop and look at it 
it's it's my favorite all-time photograph, and it's taken by Neil Leifer, so he's my number two. So my number two, um, to go back to your original, your your number five topic of, of portraits, I believe, um, my number two is a man named Dan Winters. And Dan Winters has taken, um, he's been a very, very important photographer for a long time, and he is uh, taking a lot of iconic photos of celebrities. So some of the ones you, you know, he has a very definitive look to his photos. Um, so his style is something that I at least recognize as being um, common throughout a lot of his work. But one of his most important photos was um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was governor with the bubble gum blowing a big bubble gum bubble. Uh, I know that. Um, or the Johnny Depp with the ash, the cigarette ash. You ever uh, seen that? It's a no. side profile of Johnny Depp. And he was on set smoking a cigarette and was trying to see how long he could go and let the ash burn away on the cigarette before it fell. <laughs> and he took that photo as well. That's awesome. Um, he's done a lot of really interesting things. Uh, he shoots for Wired Magazine a lot. He did a spread with uh, with Brad Pitt for um, technology. And he did a spread with uh, 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 Will Ferrell and stuff like that. But um, he, I admire him for, for a few reasons. One his his the way he lights his photos um is 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 amazing it's it's very natural it's very soft um but it's all very um it's very it's very planned everything everything is is angled to it to a very particular uh you know how do i say this there's there's almost no happy accidents with this work everything it, the way he lights things is is very specific and I also admire that you know he does do some digital work. He does a lot of digital work, I'm sure, but he is one of the few photographers that can still dictate that he wants to shoot film for major publications, for magazines. You know, he for a large part of his career, and this has started in the 80s, he would go to a magazine and say, "You're going to print this photograph." In the world of photography today, and I'm sure even then, you don't just tell a magazine what they're going to print. <laughs> you give them options. You know, in the world of digital, the way the world that I live and work in, you know, they they need dozens and hundreds of options. They don't get to just get one photo. That would be insane. You couldn't work if you just gave them one photo. <laughs> but I, uh, he's one of the few photographers that you know. Maybe Annie, Annie Leibovitz is another one who could just say, no, no, no. This is the one that you're printing. He still shoots on eight by ten film cameras occasionally, which you never ever see, and um, and I just respect his work. I think he's done some really great things. He's done, in addition to his celebrity portraiture, he is one of those people who, when he gets interested in something, he just puts all of his being into it. So he learns things, and he does these projects, and he does these personal projects of things that interest him, and I, and I think that's also really really great, and. Um, you know, obviously, we're gonna put the websites out for these people or photos for these people. I definitely think you should dive into his work because it's a really, really, really great catalog of work. So my number two is Dan Winters. Sounds like yeah, it sounds like the uh, character that Sean Penn plays in The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Like, <laughs> if you haven't seen that, he plays this. Like, I haven't. I haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, you you would like his character. He's just he's like this very off the beaten track. Um, huh? Uh, photographer that kind of does it his way 
and takes the picture and this is what you're going to do with it. He's like, you know, you don't, you don't mess with this guy. Well, that's cool. All right. So that means we're up to our number ones. My number one is a woman. Good, glad to have a woman on my list. And I only learned about this person probably about two years ago um, through a, a teacher at the high school that I work with. Um, and he, in addition to being a, a art teacher, also ha- is a photographer and does his own work. And, and his name is Mike Fickus. Um, so he's another guy you could check out if you want to see a local guy that does not only photography but fine art. And he brought this up in, in, in a class, a documentary on this woman. And the woman's name is Vivian Mayer. I know her work. Okay. Isn't this an interesting story? It's a great story. So not only is, is, is there tons of stuff to look at, but there's also a documentary about her. And the story goes like this. This woman was uh, basically a nanny in Chicago in the uh, in the 50s and 60s and she lived i guess she, she died in like maybe the 1990s um but she was a street photographer and in her free time she would just take a camera out and take pictures of whatever caught her eye and i don't know that she had any training she took hundreds of thousands of photos that never nothing ever happened to them and these two guys who i don't even think were really photography guys found these photos and since then their life has been spent cataloging and documenting this stuff she has become to uh, know to be known as like a talented photographer although she never really had any training that i know of she would just she had an eye for it she would find the the perfect settings for what she was doing she didn't she didn't know what like i'm sure like when you go to college and learn this kind of stuff you learn about um, depth of field in taking a photograph. She didn't know what that was, but her photographs all had it. She didn't know what the rule of thirds was when you're taking a photograph, but her photographs all had them. Um, she was like insanely talent, just like raw talent. And these pictures are mainly black and white, but some of the ones she took later in her life did have color in them. And you can go on this website, which we'll put on, and look through the hundreds of thousands of photos that she's done. And I, I, I mean, the basic idea in this documentary was that people who know what they're talking about with photography have seen her work and decided she was the real deal. And she should be recognized as one of the preeminent photographers of the 20th century. So she's my number one. That's great. Uh, the story is amazing, and, and it, it, it is. It is relatively new, uh, the last couple years that this all came out. And um, it is great work. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a, she was definitely in line with other people in that era that did street photography in like the 50s, 60s. And um, there's a life to her photos that are it's really, really great. Yeah. And um, a lot of people were really excited about it. You know, and like you said, that was just a chance. I'm going to buy a box of these negatives mm-hmm. at a yard sale or whatever it was. Yeah. And just see what they're, see what it is. And then they discovered an important photography that, that never knew she was that important. Yeah. It could, which is sad. It but could, it could definitely still, true. It could still not have been discovered. And those guys from that one box have now 
almost become like private detectives and tracking down anywhere that she lived or was a nanny and maybe she left some stuff behind. They found these people in the documentary that they were talking to that she was a nanny there. They're like, yeah, she still has some stuff in her attic. Well, she had like rolls and rolls and rolls of undeveloped film. She would take these pictures, stick them in, in a box and never do anything with them. Yeah, it's crazy. And now these guys are 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 documenting everything and and because of that it's like you said the world has discovered another great photographer that would have never been discovered if it wasn't just by chance. So this idea of street photography uh, street photography leads me into my number 1 because he was also a street photographer that kind of helped develop the term uh, and his name is a French photographer, and his name was Henri Cartier-Bresson. And he was active for many decades, uh, shot a lot in the first half of the 20th century. And he became known for uh, the term that he called the decisive moment. And if you look through some of his work, you'll see that. Um, he was a master of, you know, you mentioned it with the Muhammad Ali photo, that that perfect moment and capturing that on film. And that's what he was a master of. You know, there's images of, of men jumping. Like one of his famous photos is um, a man jumping over a puddle and he captured it where right before his foot touches back down in the puddle. So you have the reflection of the man jumping over himself and it's, 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 it's really great work. <laughs> and the reason that he's my number one is, uh, Several reasons. One, you know, he was one of the photographers I learned about in the history of photo class when I was in college. He was one of the people that really made me love street photography and photojournalism. And the idea of just going out there and just taking a camera and just going outside and just taking photos, which I'm sorry to say is something I don't really do much anymore other than my my iPhone. Yeah. But he was definitely a master of finding those little moments in life that, you know, it's, it's silly to say it, but it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, oh, that's a perfect moment. And and that, that's what he was a master of. He's also credited with starting up um, Magnum, which was a photography group for street photographers um, that was also co-founded by uh, Robert Kappa, who was my number four on the list. Mm-hmm. And they were just important people that were into the idea of, of photojournalism and, and being in the moment and capturing those things. And when I was a freshman in college taking photo classes, uh, one, a local camera store, one of the few local camera stores that still exists, had these little postcards out that um, was a quote from him. And it's still relevant, though slightly less relevant in the digital society that we live in. But his quote was, your first 10,000 photographs are your worst. <laughs> now you could say your first million photographs are your worst with digital. But you know, it's just the idea that no matter what, you still have to keep working and keep trying and you will get better if you keep doing it. And that was his whole thing. You just go outside every day and you take photos or, you know, you go outside every day and you hit baseballs or you go outside every day and draw something or whatever it is that you're passionate about. You just got to go do it. And it's one of those things that, you know, uh, it's been, I've been in this house for nine years and that thing is still my refrigerator, that, that little postcard. That's cool. I see it every time I go to get a glass of water. <laughs> so my number one is uh, Henri Cartier-Bresson. All right. Well, this is good. I'm I'm glad that we did this because, like, 
like I was hoping you've you've taught me some things, and I can't wait to see some of these things on our Facebook page. Um, did you have any honorable mentions that you'd like to throw out there? Honestly, I did not. I, you know, we um, we recorded another episode about um, our favorite our favorite rappers, and um, that list took me about a week and a half to finish. This one I was done in about two minutes. Wow. I knew exactly, you know, it's what I do for a living, and it's it's people that I've studied and and read up on, and um, I pretty much knew who was going to be on my list. It was just a matter of order, and I, I was done in about two minutes. So no honorable mentions. I mean, there's hundreds of amazing photographers mm-hmm. uh, that have done really really great things, and they span uh, the board with everything that they do. But uh, as far as favorites, these were the, the definitive five. Right. What about you, David? Did you find any other photos that you maybe you, that led you to better, or I'm sorry, led you to other photographers? Yeah, there was one in particular, and it kind of went along with the history thing. Um, the very famous uh, 1989 photo in uh, Tiananmen Square in Beijing of the student protest and standing in front of the tank. Um, I love that picture, and and it's it's not just a picture; it's a uh, it's an idea. And it's a it's an emotion like it's one of those kind of things. The guy's name is Jeff Widener, and 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 that was one that I think. And and I I kind of went another way with the portraits, but I've always enjoyed the black and white photos of Richard Avedon, um, of like famous people. Kind of sounds like the one like you, the, that you did with the with the picture of Schwarzenegger and stuff. I think Avedon. Right. I think Avedon is photographed Schwarzenegger as well. Like he, it's it's they're almost all close ups of a face. And I love seeing that, especially in people that have a lot of character in their face. Um, so I've enjoyed his work as well. He's he's he he would have been the most famous person, I think. How did I put him on my list? Because yeah, I think most people know his work. All right. Yeah. If you uh, you might not know his name, you might not know what he's done, but you've seen his photos. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, I wouldn't put like we kind of said, like I wouldn't put Ansel Adams on my list because I don't. That kind of stuff I see and it's nice. I I'd rather look at I'd rather look at people because I get emotion from that. When I look at nature, it looks like nature. <laughs> so I'm sure there are people that would be their cup of tea. Uh, it's just not mine. It doesn't sound like it's yours too much either. I mean, I enjoy it, but I don't uh, obsess over it. I mean, I I like looking at it, but I I you know I work with people almost exclusively. And uh, I also like looking at photos of people, so All right. well, I agree with you on that one. Why don't you tell anyone out there that's listening where they can see some samples of your work and, and that kind of stuff? Oh, um, well, you know, I I have a website that I haven't really updated um, in a long time. But if you're interested in seeing a photo of uh, Chris from Star Wars in character, he is on there. <laughs> um, I did a series of work uh, um, on people that have sort of nerdy passions and they decided to live those passions and uh dave you were there when i took these photos but i went to uh to chris's house um to take photos of him and his and his star wars collection he was one of the people that i I featured in that little project so uh he's on there um but the website's just my name it's lucaltobiano.com and i won't bother spelling it out i'll put a link to it on the neozaz site yeah please do all right well this is good and i'm glad that we did this like i said because uh this is not the kind of thing that we generally do on Neo Zaz, but uh, I, I think that because of 
the passion for art that some of us have, hopefully you hear more stuff like this. Um, so thanks, Lou. Yeah, thank you. All right. Um, so join us on the next episode of the Best of Fives, where the topic could be anything. Opinions are like assholes, people. Everyone has one, and we here at News as sure are a bunch of assholes. <laughs>